Amen, amen. If you have your Bible, would like to stand with me and ask you to turn again to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll begin with verse 5. We're just going to do two verses this morning. We are in the midst of an expanded expository study through Hebrews 11 uh, that we actually started back in Hebrews 10 because the keynote of this whole thing is that the just shall live by faith. Amen. The righteous will live by faith. And so we're seeing what that means as the book unfolds, as the, as the chapter unfolds. What does it mean to live by faith? Amen. So last week we talked about Abel. This week we're going to talk about Enoch. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And verse 6 gives some explanation about Enoch's faith. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. I want to talk for a few moments this morning about the faith of Enoch. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I'm asking the next few moments, Lord, that you would challenge us, Lord, to walk in the same steps of faith uh, that are given for us as an example in the book of Hebrews, Lord. Help us to see and recognize uh, in our lives places that we can improve, places that we need to grow, Lord, places where our faith needs to be expanded, God, that we may live that life of faith, God, that the just live by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. So the second example of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 is Enoch. And first in Abel, we saw what it meant to worship in faith. Abel, by faith, brought a more excellent sacrifice. He brought a, a sacrifice unto God that was the sacrifice that God desired. And so by faith, he, he worshiped God. But Abel's life was cut short. And we didn't get to see how that kind of faith affected the rest of his life. For that, we turn to Enoch. And Enoch shows us what it means to live by faith, indeed to walk by faith. Now the Hebrew writer, though, doesn't start with the walk of Enoch. He starts, he doesn't even start at the beginning of Enoch's life. He starts at the end of, of Enoch's life. He starts with the result of his walk with God. He says that by faith, Enoch received a most unusual blessing. Amen. He was translated from this life, and he didn't experience death. He didn't taste of death. Amen. There are only two men in Scripture that didn't taste death, one being uh, Enoch, the other being the prophet Elijah. But, but Enoch, because of the grace of God, because of his closeness to God, because he walked with God, he didn't experience death. The writer goes on to explain that he was searched for after God captured him away, after God took him away. But he was not found because God had taken him. Then the writer gives, this, gives us this by way of explanation. Before he was translated, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, there's a whole lot condensed into those few words of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. And in order to better understand it, we're going to have to go back to the Genesis account 
and look at the story of Enoch's life that is contained there in Genesis chapter 5. Now, unfortunately, that account is very brief, too. It only takes up five verses, but between what is written there and what the writer of Hebrews has to say, we get a glimpse of what it really means to walk by faith. So going back to Genesis chapter 5, I'll read first from verse 18 where, where Enoch's birth is announced. It says, And Jared lived 162 years, and he begat Enoch. And then we skip forward to the chronicle of Enoch's life in verse 21. And it says, And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah, 300 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Amen. So when Jared was 162 years old, he had a son named Enoch. And when Enoch was 65 years old, he had a son named Methuselah. And the scripture tells us that Enoch began to walk with God after Methuselah was born. As I was preparing for this lesson this week, those, for the first time ever, those words leapt out at me. That, that kind of indicates that the first 65 years of Enoch's life, he, he didn't walk with God. Amen. Enoch lived in a time of moral decay. He lived in an age before the flood, and the Bible says this about that age in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thought of his heart was only continually evil. And man lived according to that imagination. He did whatever he felt like he wanted to do. There was no restraint, and sin was not contained. It was bawling over. Amen. And we can only assume that for the first 65 years of his life, Enoch was in some way in concert with the moral depravity of his day. Some way he, was, he, he wasn't walking with God. But something changed in Enoch's life when Methuselah was born. Now there's no record of scripture that tells us what turned the heart of Enoch towards God. But there are some very subtle hints. It's exceedingly difficult to peel back the layers of time and distance between now and Genesis chapter 5 and, and clearly discuss Enoch's conversion from darkness to light. But we do know a few things. First of all, we know that the name Methuselah is taken from the Hebrew root muth, which means death. And when scholars translate the name Methuselah, they translate it this way. His death shall bring it. His death shall bring it. Now that raises the question of what his death is going to bring. It was his birth that resulted in Enoch walking with God. It was his birth that resulted in Enoch's faith, not his death. So what event followed the death of Methuselah? Anybody know? The timeline of Genesis chapter 5 shows us that the great flood occurred in the year that Methuselah died. Now we need to flip ahead to the New Testament. Let's go back to the book of Job, where um, the book of Jude, I'm sorry, where Enoch is briefly mentioned in a somewhat cryptic passage in the New Testament. It says this in Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints, to execute 
judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So now we know that after Enoch walked with God, he walked with God out of faith. And, and we understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. We talked about that last week. So if we operate in the realm of speculation, we could very well speculate both from the meaning of Methuselah's name and the fact that Enoch became a preacher who prophesied the judgment of God was coming. We can, we can maybe surmise from that perhaps that the word of the Lord came to Enoch uh, about the time that Methuselah was born uh, and gave him some prophetic insight uh, into judgment that was coming, uh, into judgment that would unfold at the end of Methuselah's life. Death will bring it. And so having heard a word from God, Enoch believes the word that he's heard. That might explain why he named Methuselah the way that he did. And that might explain what caused him to begin to walk with God after Methuselah was born. He heard a word from God. Amen. And faith in that word caused him to change his life. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, and whenever you begin to believe God, it changes your life. Amen. When you hear the word of God spoken into your life uh, and faith gets a hold of it and says, I believe that word, uh, it makes a change uh, in your life. Uh, and at the moment that Enoch began to believe God, he began to obey God and he began to walk with God. And he walked with God for the rest of his days. As a matter of fact, the very brief description of his life in Genesis chapter 5 contains those words twice in the span of four verses. Enoch walked with God. And then the writer repeats it. Enoch walked with God. This is the culmination of everything that matters about Enoch. He walked with God. He had a relationship with God. He had fellowship with the creator of the universe. Enoch walked with God. Now, in the days of Jesus and his followers, the, the common language in the, in the Near East was Greek, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But there was a Greek translation of it that scholars today call the Septuagint. And that translation exists to this day. And it, it's a translation from the Hebrew into Greek. It's a Greek version of the Old Testament. And because it's a translation from Hebrew into Greek, and the Bible that you have is a translation from Hebrew into English, there are some variations between the two translations. In the Greek Old Testament, the author of Hebrews uh, would have read the repeated words, uh, if the author of Hebrews was reading from the Greek New Testament, he would have read the repeated words, Enoch, walk with God, in a different way. They were rendered in the Septuagint as Enoch pleased God. 
and the words in the Hebrew that say, for he was not found because God, or he was not for God took him, are rendered in the Septuagint as he was not found because God translated him. That's where the reading of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5 comes from. The author used the Greek version of the Old Testament rather than the Hebrew text as a source for the description of Enoch's life. Now, I only bring that up not to geek you out, but simply because of this. What I find interesting is the fact that in the minds of the Hebrews who translated the Old Testament into Greek, the notion that Enoch walked with God was equivalent to the notion that he pleased God. Amen. They saw the reading the same. Uh, he walked with God meant that he pleased God. Uh, can I tell you this morning on a Sunday morning, it pleases God when men and women walk with him. Uh, as a matter of fact, the thing that God lost in the garden uh, was fellowship with Adam and Eve. Uh, amen. Remember, God made the garden, not man. God made the garden. And he didn't make the garden just for man's pleasure. He made the garden because he desired the fellowship uh, of his creation uh, and he made it so he could come and walk with them in the cool of the day and be with them and they could experience him uh, and he could experience them but when Adam and Eve sinned they broke the commandment of God and they lost their fellowship with God and the disobedience caused them to remove, be removed from the garden and to be separated from God. And, and we look at that from the Adam and Eve perspective. And that's a bad thing for Adam and Eve. But I come to tell you it's a bad thing for God too. Amen. He desired that fellowship. He wanted that fellowship. He made man so he could walk with man. He made man so he could be in fellowship with man. But in Enoch... Seven generations later, we find a man who once again walked with God. And there was fellowship between God and man. Perhaps not in the same measure as it had existed in the garden, but it was certainly in a deeper measure than it had existed at any time since the garden. Enoch shared an intimate and meaningful fellowship with God. In fact, it was the defining characteristic of his life. He pleased God. Amen. God was pleased uh, to finally have a man uh, who would walk with him again. Uh, God was pleased uh, to have restored and renewed fellowship between him and his creation. That was a testimony of Enoch's life before he was translated. He pleased God. Can I tell you this morning that God desires relationship with you? He wants to walk with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. Amen. Sometimes our perspective on this is all wrong. Amen. Uh, we, we, we think of prayer and Bible reading as tasks of devotion that uh, have to be added to our lives because of the fact that we're Christian. Amen. They're just the things that we're supposed to do. And if, and if, and if we don't do those things, then we, we feel guilty because we have failed to do those things uh, because we're, we're 
neglecting those better things for the much lesser things in life. Uh, but we don't always look at those things the way that God looks at them. Uh, amen. They're the basis of a relationship with Him. Uh, it's not about being able to check a bookmark and say, yes, I read my Bible today. It's about being able to say I was in the presence uh, of God today. Amen. I had fellowship uh, with God today. I have walked with Him uh, and He has walked with me. Amen. God wants and desires that relationship with you more than you want it with Him. Amen. God wants it so much. Come on, somebody. First, He first loved you while we were yet sinners, uh, while we were yet outcasts, uh, while there was nothing good in us, uh, while there was nothing that deserved it, uh, while there was nothing that merited it, uh, while we were separated from God. God desired fellowship with you so much uh, that He entered this world uh, in a stable in Bethlehem, uh, was laid in a manger, uh, lived here for some 33 years, years uh, and was gruesomely crucified at Calvary all so his blood covering could cover your sins and make a way for you and for me to enter into fellowship with him that's what the cross is all about uh, that's what Calvary is all about uh, it pleases God when men and women walk with him when you neglect your devotion when you skip your time of prayer and Bible reading, believe it or not, God misses his time with you. God longs for his time with you. God longs for fellowship with you. If you ever really get that, it's a real humbling truth. The God of the universe, the ancient of days, the one who was and is and forever will be, actually desires to spend time with me. He wants to walk with me. He wants to go through my day with me. It would please him if I lived my life in constant fellowship with him. The psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Well, who am I, God, that you would want to spend time with me? There's nothing good in me. There's nothing good about me. There's nothing in me that merits the great love of God. Yet he loves me and he desires my fellowship. He wants to walk through my life with me. He wants to walk through the cares and the affairs of my day with me. The, the mundane reality of a Monday morning that I have to face tomorrow. He wants to be right there with me. Amen. That's an humbling realization when it really grips your heart. God wants to spend time with you. Sunday's his favorite day of the week. I believe that. Amen. Why? Because it gets a little bit of your attention. Maybe just for a service or two. Amen. And that doesn't satisfy him. That barely scratches the surface. Uh, but God wants your attention. He wants you to be focused on him. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to know him. He wants to reveal himself. See, walking with God is more, about, no, more than about just knowing God. It's about being known by God. It's about experiencing God. It's about letting God reveal himself to you and what he really wants is to be in fellowship with you every single day 
He wants to walk into your job with you. He wants to walk into your classroom with you. He wants to help you navigate the cares and the affairs of your day. He wants to be your counselor. He wants to be the one you turn to when you just got, ha- got to tell somebody what's going on. He wants to be the one you go to. He wants to be the one you run to when you need advice. Uh, he wants to be the one you turn to, amen, when there is no way, uh, when you don't know where to turn and you don't know what to do. He wants to be your way maker. Uh, he wants to be your source of strength. Uh, he wants to be the fountain from which every good blessing in your life flows from. I want to encourage someone in this house on a Sunday morning not to neglect your time with God. Enoch walked with God, and it pleased God. You know, I live in my life with the goal in mind that one of these days I want to hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to live a life that pleases God. I want to live a life that God would look at me and say, I'm pleased with that life. And we learn from Enoch how that is done. When you walk with God, you live a life that pleases God. So there are two important things that mark the character of Enoch's faith. First, He pleased God by turning away from the iniquity of the world in which he lived. He turned his back on his present world, that that era of moral depravity that we talked about. Enoch changed everything when he began to walk with God. And secondly, he maintained a daily walk with God that caused him to become so close to God that he was taken to heaven without ever experiencing death. The walk with God that Enoch experienced was one that uh, got deeper and deeper. He got closer and closer. A walk implies a journey, and and a journey perhaps has a a certain direction and a regular pace. And and Enoch's faith flourished as he walked with God, and, and God bore witness to him that his daily life was pleasing to him. And day by day, he got closer to God. Remember, Enoch didn't start out close to God at 65 years of age he hadn't walked with God yet but once he started walking with God it was a constant thing in his life a steady unbroken journey with every step bringing him closer and closer to God that's what it means to walk by faith amen that's what it means to continually take steps of faith in your life There are steps that bring us closer to God. There are steps that cause us to grow in our Christian walk with God. Some of you wonder why you struggle to live for God. I can share that answer with you this morning. The only way to get close to God is to walk with Him. The only way to live for Him is to walk with Him. And that's a function of your faith. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith... It is impossible to please him. Now, remember that pleasing God in this context is synonymous with walking with God. It's impossible to please him without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the the faith that results in a walk with God is based on two things. 
First of all, you must believe that God exists. You must believe that he is. And then you must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's the basis for relationship with God. If you fail to walk with God, then, then your life demonstrates a critical lack of faith. Amen? If you believe that he is, and you believe that he rewards those. See, some people have trouble believing that he is. Some people have trouble accepting the idea that there is a God. They'll accept a higher power. They'll accept some great universal power outside of themselves. But they have a hard time saying there is a God in heaven, amen, and he is in control of everything, and he is one all by himself. Uh, and beside him there is no other God. Before him there was no God formed. After him there was no God made. He's looked all around him, and there is no God beside him. He's God all by himself. God that loved me so much that he became a man. He died on a cross for my sins. Jesus Christ is his name. He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, amen. He is the Ancient of Days, uh, the one who was and he is and forever will be. And if you're going to walk with God, you've got to come to that realization. He is God. Amen? Amen. But there are some who, who struggle with just believing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, it's not enough just to believe that he's God. You've got to believe that if I seek him, I'll find him. That if I pursue him, if I pursue his blessings, if I lay my life on an altar of sacrifice, I'm going to find the blessing of the presence of God, and I will walk with him. If you really believe that he is then you'll seek him, and he will reward those who seek him. Amen? So you have to ask yourself this morning, if you're struggling with, with your walk with God, where is the breakdown in your faith? You have to start with the belief that God is, there really is a God who is in control of it all, who ordered your footsteps, who, who planned who has a purpose for your life. Oh, but Brother McCall, I'm not in church. God doesn't care. But yeah, yeah, let me tell you something, my friend. He has a foreordained purpose for your life. God has. You weren't created in a vacuum. Amen. You weren't made by some process of nature. Amen. Life comes from God. Uh, and God has a purpose uh, for the life uh, that you have. Uh, and if you fail to walk with God, uh, amen, then it demonstrates that you, you don't believe that. You don't believe that he is. You don't believe that he has uh, a plan for you. And you don't believe that if you pursue him, you'll find him. Amen. It's a humbling realization when you really come to that understanding. God wants to be with me. God desires to walk with me. You may say, oh, Brother McCall, that's, that's silly. Of course I believe there's a God. Why else would I be in church on a Sunday morning? Let's take a closer look. Scripture tells us that the human heart is deceitful, especially when it comes to judging ourselves. And John declares in 1 John chapter 1, Reading from verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So it's possible to say I have fellowship with God 
but in fact to walk in darkness rather than walking with God. It's possible to say, I believe that he exists, but to lead a life that tells another story. Amen. If it's not demonstrated in our daily walk with him that we believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him, then it is entirely possible that we are deceiving ourselves. Amen. So this morning is a moment for self-reflection. You need to ask yourself, do I really live like I believe? Do I really live like I believe that God is walking with me 24-7? I don't leave him at the altar in my home on Monday morning. He goes with me to my job. Amen. There really is an all-seeing eye that's constantly watching me every moment that I live, everything that I do. Amen. Do I live a life that is influenced by the faith that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? According to John, if you have fellowship with darkness, then you're not walking in light. That should make you stop and consider every part of your life. What I do in my life that might be construed as fellowship with darkness. Because whatever that is, it undermines my walk with God. It undermines my faith in God. It undermines my relationship with God. As a matter of fact, there's a stark contrast in Scripture between walking in darkness and walking in light. John goes on to say in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Our salvation depends on our walk. Let me clarify that. Our walk doesn't cause us to be saved, but the fact that we are saved affects the way we walk. Amen. If it doesn't, then you have to go back and examine the salvation of your soul, just like you have to go back and examine the fundamental basis of your faith. For the writer of Hebrews is plain and simple. If you truly believe that there is a God and you believe that he rewards those that seek him, then you will seek him. Amen. Enoch walked with God on the basis of his faith in God. He believed that God was. Some defining event happened to him at the age of 65, and he came to the realization that God was real and that God would reward those who diligently sought him. And for the rest of his days, he sought the Lord. For the rest of his days, he sought after God. What does that mean? It means he sought to please him. It means he he didn't say, you know what, God, we're going to walk together. I'm going to give a little, and you're going to give a little, and we'll meet somewhere in the middle. No, no, no. He said, you know what, God? I'm going to come where you are and I'm going to walk the way you want me to walk and I'm going to live the life you want me to live uh, and I'm going to submit my... There's a standard here of God's righteousness uh, and I'm going to walk according to that because God isn't coming to where I am to walk with me. Amen. I've got to go to where he is to walk with him. Amen. So there's faith that says I'm going to... I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to seek him. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with him. In fact, Enoch got so close to God, walking with God, that he was just one small step away from heaven. He got so close to God 
that it was just a single step from where he was to heaven. Such a small step that God one day said, come on over, join me on the other side. That's how close to God that Enoch walked. Now again, if I can if I can geek you out just a little bit more, let me mention the tense of the two verbs in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. When the writer says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Both the verbs cometh and seek are in the present tense. In the Greek, it's a, it indicates a continual seeking, an ongoing action. It's an action that, not just an action that happened somewhere in the past and is affecting me now, or not an action that's going to happen somewhere in my future, but it's, a, it's an ongoing action. It's a present, continual action. Amen. This indicates that continually coming and continually seeking are the characteristics uh, of that faith that is able to come to God. Amen. Here's the key to coming to God. It's not something you do once and then you're finished. You don't come to an altar and you're saved and it's over. Amen. You've got to walk with Him. Uh, you've got to live a life uh, of dedication. You've got to live a life uh, of sacrifice. Uh, you've got to live a life uh, that draws nearer and nearer to Him. And if you're not getting closer to him friend there's something wrong can I get an amen we're talking about a lifestyle of seeking God a perpetual ongoing effort to draw near to God that's what characterizes the life of Enoch he wasn't satisfied with just an experience with God he had that at the age of 65 and he spent the next 300 years trying to get closer to God and progressively, he got closer and closer until the point where heaven was just a step away. And still, he was not satisfied. I dare say that he walked closer to God than many or if all, perhaps any of us have. For he was translated from this life. And yet, he was never satisfied. Yet you and I get so complacent and satisfied with our walk with God that we decide to settle for where we are. We decide our present experience is enough. Enoch's faith was a continual faith. It was an ongoing experience. Listen, you can't stand still. If you're standing still, you're backing up. You're losing ground. You've got to be growing closer to him. You've got to be getting nearer to him. Amen. You've got to be walking with him. Now let me bring it all home real quick and I'm, I'm wrapping up. Without a doubt, the intention of the author of Hebrews is to encourage his readers to seek God. He has no doubt that those that are reading take the time to read the book of Hebrews have a desire to please God. But he wants them to understand that they can't please him apart from faith. And the kind of faith that it takes to please God is the kind of faith that continually seeks him. So Enoch is an example to the readers of Hebrews of what the writer longed to see happening in them. He longed to see a steady daily growth in grace, the kind of growth that only comes from walking with God. Amen. Enoch enjoyed the continual presence of God for the rest of his life. The result was a fellowship that even death could not intrude into. 
he was translated into glory and was not found. The fact that he wasn't found implies that somebody went looking for him. They said Enoch's not the kind of guy to wander off and not tell anybody where he's going. They marshaled the troops. They got together and they searched high and they searched low, but they searched in vain because God had taken him. That's the testimony of Enoch's life. 300 years, Enoch walked with God perpetually, continually, without any breaks. For 300 years, Every day, day in and day out, on Mondays and on Saturdays and on Sundays and on Wednesdays and, and all the other days of the week, Enoch walked with God. And some of us are lucky if we can make it through a week. Some of us are lucky if we can go a week without straying away from the presence of God. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Enoch is an example of the kind of faith that we should have. It's a faith that continually seeks God. I love that about Enoch. Uh, not just the fact that it was translated, but that he was never satisfied. That he was always getting closer to God. That he was always drawing near to God. Amen. It took 300 years. But one day he finally got so close that he took a walk and never came home again. Walked right into heaven. By faith he entered into the presence of God. He pleased God so much that God took him. That's the kind of life that I want to aspire to. I don't have 300 years. Would that I had. I, I, four score and ten maybe, if I'm lucky. It may not be possible in 80, 90 years to get that close to God. It took Enoch 300 years. I want to be found trying. I want to be found reaching I want to be found getting closer and closer to him every step of the way. Because one of these days, my friend, I'm going to draw my last breath. And when I draw my last breath, I want my direction to have been towards God. But it starts with faith. Would you stand with me this morning? The challenge today is to examine your life in light of faith. What does your life say about your faith? Not what do you say about it, but what does your life say about your faith? Perhaps you need to take a moment this morning and seek Him. Perhaps you need to take a moment this morning and put some things on an altar and say, Lord, I, I want you more than I want all of this. I desire you more than I desire anything in this world. Or perhaps you're like Enoch and you haven't walked with God up to this point in your life. 65 years old he was before he turned to God. Today the invitation is the same no matter where you are on the spectrum. Come and know him. Come and walk with him. The God of the universe, the ancient of days. The great lion of the tribe of Judah. He's in this place today, and he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. I feel his anointing rich in this house this morning. I feel the pressing presence of the Holy Ghost in this house. He's calling hearts. 
He's calling hearts right now. Some are far from him. Some have, have wandered this distance in between you and God that didn't used to be there. He's saying, come close the distance. Uh, come get a little closer to me. Uh, change the direction that you're heading. There's some of you that perhaps you never surrendered to him. Perhaps you never bent your knee in the presence of God and confessed there is a God uh, and I owe him my allegiance. Uh, he's calling to you and saying, come and know me. Come and experience me perhaps. Perhaps you're in this place and you've been in church your whole life, uh, but you become content and you become satisfied and you become complacent. Uh, and the Spirit of God is moving through this house right now and He's drawing men and women. Come, come a little closer. Come a little closer. Come walk with me. Come walk with me. Would you respond to the word of the Lord right now? Would you respond to the presence of God that's moving this house? Would you come find a place in an altar? And would you bend your knees in the presence of God? And would you tell him, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I submit myself to you, God. I need you, Lord. I need you more than I need anything in this world. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Come on. He's not comfortable with the distance in between you and him. He's not comfortable with the distance that is developed between you and Him. It's time for you to draw near to Him. And He's calling you. It's an humbling thing to think God is speaking to my heart, saying, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Who am I? Who am I? That He would bleed and die for me. Who am I? That he would reach out to me. Who am I? That on a Sunday morning in February, the presence of God would come into this place and call me. Who am I? I'm going to tell you who you are. You're loved by God. You are loved by God. Right where you are, you're loved by God just like you are. You're loved by God. In the condition of your life right now, you are loved by God. And He loves you so much that He doesn't want to leave you there. He loves you so much that He doesn't want to leave you in the condition that you're in. He wants to show you a better life. Hope. Joy. Peace that passes understanding. Why don't you answer his call this morning? Why don't you reach out to him in this house?